0: What uh, we are doing together here is um, it's contemplative practice. So, in the last uh, walking se- session, I was reminded again how, how it's an art form. It's uh, it's a, it's delicate work. It's we can't not plow through this. You know, it's just <laughs> not going to work. And sometimes we can get a little mixed up because the schedule is like sit, walks, like it, it can't. It could seem to be talking about the kind of uh, rigid, some kind of rigidity and like get the work done, you know. And uh, when we're so far from this, and what reminded me of it, of this was like uh, was being outside, walking in, and hearing uh, the snow uh, with the footstep, you know. And and suddenly I was reminded, oh, this is my job. My job is to love this. This is my job. This weekend is to be very attentive to the sound of the. Uh, the boots on the snow, you know, and this particular squeaking today, you know, and to actually love this. And uh, I was thinking of Mary Oliver, many of you know. She describes this very well. I mean, there's many poems I could have chosen, but I was thinking of this one. And if you're a little taken aback by this (laughs) piece of artwork there, I can tell you that a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, a month ago, I was stuck at the San Francisco airport for nine hours. There was a nice storm in Montreal. And uh, part of the, it, it turned out to be a really beautiful day in, at the San Francisco airport. And But part of it was that I, I at some point, I bought stickers because <laughs> <laughs> I needed to, and I ended up with this sticker on my <laughs> computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Mary Oliver, she says, My work is loving the world. You'll see that her imagery is, uh, is not of this season, is of another season, but we can translate it. So my work is loving the world. Here the sunflowers, there the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here the quickening yeast, there the, pl- uh, the blue plums. Here the clam deep into the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. I don't know if I'm going to say this word right, the Phoebe flower? the delphinium, the sheep in the pasture, and the pasture, which is mostly rejoicing since all ingredients are there, which is gratitude to be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes, a mouth with which to give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to the sleepy dug-up clam, Telling them that over and over, telling them all, sorry, over and over how it is that we live forever. So to me, this one here points to something very delicate. We're not going to, it's not going to work if we come with our old mm, classic mind of like, list of things to do get done you know doing things so they're done like that's not how that's not where we're at you know so yesterday when i was saying like we're entering a different time we're in it's different here the field is different some of the things will help us create this the silence the letting go of the communications the stimulations that we get in all kinds of ways so we're creating some space and slowly we find our way into this and the finding our way into this sometimes is not that easy and sometimes it's not exactly as we think. Like what she's describing uh, here seems to... Uh, there's something ecstatic about it. You know, like sh- it's beauty. It's, she sees beauty and stuff. What we encounter as practitioner might be the snow falling, the squeaking of the, of the footsteps... It might be of the sweet kind, equal seekers of uh, sweetness or something like this. It might be of that kind. But the entry door is also of a different kind. It could be through the door of sorrow, boredom. Uh, these are equal doors, uh, entry point for the contemplative practice. For many of us, they are the, the doors will enter through. Why am I here? What am I doing here? You know, And at some point, something can open up. And it's a little mysterious there was a series of book I was reading I don't know if it's a decade ago no teen books I think or young adult books it was called um, the dark Trilogy or something like this and one of the titles of the book was the subtle knife and this little uh, anti-hero this little girl she had this this knife that you could actually cut through reality or through something in it and she could enter a different world and it was so not easy to actually even though she had the knife to actually find but when she did there was something else that was revealed you know And it seems like that's kind of the kind of alchemy that we're doing here. So we're like, oh, my God, another sit, you know, like, oh, the breath, okay, loving the breath, being friendly with the breath, you know, whatever. (laughs) But it's very possible that during the weekend, at some point, something will open. And often, it just follows a period of discouragement, a period of uh, uh, purification, we could call it, you know, like where suddenly, like because I let go of all expectation of doing this right, of doing this well or something, and then, whoops, the heart opens, you know, and suddenly there's just, wow, just a sound here now. Just this. We cannot, again, will this. This is not a a willing, but these things, these moments of opening or grace, or there, we could... I've heard this. it described, might work for you, as they're ex- accidental, but meditation makes us accident prone, <laughs> you know? so we pay attention again and again, and maybe to talk about this kindness and this, what we're doing here, maybe it's going to go through poems today, so I hope that works for you, but that's kind of how it like oh yeah i can describe to you all the list of the functions of these mind states and you know where they come from and like the whole theory about it but it's not this is something else we we need to talk about this in a different way and some of the amazing poets uh, contemporary do this really well one of them is uh neomi shihab uh american of um of uh, Palestinian descent. And she has a poem that you might have heard called Kindness. So let yourself, you know, soak it in, and let it do its thing. And she says, before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho Lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans, and simple, and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know what kindness is, sorry. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside. You must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and send you out into the day to mail letters or purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you've been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend. so the doubt you might feel being here the discouragement the tiredness of the process uh, is part of the design of what of the unfolding of what's happening it's part of it it's actually part of our life all the time and so let this it's an invitation to let this be included in the practice and maybe what I'm saying now doesn't represent your part you're like no this is sweet it's (coughs) been sweet since the beginning beautiful enjoy that but if it's iffy or achy in some ways this is the good ingredients for the opening of the heart the opening of the heart is not a free ride Uh, the way out is in uh, you know the opening of the heart often is a tearing open of the heart is a crumbling of the heart. is uh, some Something of that nature. So you might be somewhat experiencing this, some of this uh, here. So naming it. Another aspect, uh, another way to talk about what we do also that is that it's actually extremely natural. There's a story of the Buddha that I really like. You might know this, the rose apple tree story. So in this story, uh, the Buddha, as a, as a memories, the Buddha to be actually has a memory of um, at some point doing really hardcore practices, like really like you know standing on one leg all day, eating one grain of rice, like really hardcore practices to open the heart, you know. And it's like I'm gonna open open that heart, you know, no matter what kind of practice. And at some point, just about to pass out and probably die eventually continuing on that path that didn't make sense you know a memory pops up in his mind and the memory is of uh, being a child so it's not it's unclear what age but we could imagine something like who knows eight years old having this memory oh I remember a flash like a scent a, f- a, a memory that comes with a felt sense you know like this a it's an experience you? so he's there like almost passing out as a young adult trying to find his way through some kind of resolution some ease of the mind exhausting himself and suddenly there's this flash that comes to his touches his heart oh I remember being eight years old one summer or spring maybe beautiful day sitting outside under a tree the farmer's plowing my father there is some ceremony going on some and i'm just sitting aside under a tree something very simple extremely simple a kid sitting under a tree there's nothing special about this you know that's natural that's the ordinary i was sitting there and i just remember feeling the breeze the wind Mm. feeling the quality of the air feeling safe My father being over there with the farmer, farmers, sitting there feeling safe. And just feeling the world, very simply. Feeling the wind, feeling the temperature, feeling the sitting. And the mind being interested in that, as kids do. Kids get interested in ladybugs, and ants, and and sand, and, you know, so he was just sitting there, and so and he, this memory comes to him and there was something good, there was something right about this, something very simple, there was no pushing. There was something very organic about this. It's just very natural. I was sitting there paying attention. That might actually be the way out of trouble. Maybe the looking for pleasures at all costs is not exactly the way. Looking for comfort at all costs, you know, accumulations of things and maybe not that and maybe not the harshness like I'm gonna get through this. The middle path. Maybe the paying careful attention, like a kid does when they do. Yeah. Maybe this is the way. And from that memory, this was like a turning point in the career. To this young seeker, because after it reoriented the practice, he said, "Oh, let me leave the harsh practices. Let me find a tree by a river somewhere, and sit, and just listen to the wind in the leaves, to the squeaking of the footstep on the snow." You know, if we translate it here and now, just being there in a very simple way, in a kind way, quality attention. And this attention, which has lightness, could also be described as a very deep practice with a lot of depth, but it's not heavy. It's not a depth, it's a depth, the depth of lightness. I don't know how to say that. That's another beautiful paradox, maybe, as there are many on the spiritual path. So, this we can use as a reference, because my sense is we know this. As kids we have, and as adults also maybe, but there's times where we might be able to recall now where there was this simple presence to the wind in the grass, to, I don't know, something. Something very simple. And so the practice we're doing here in this form of like sit, walk, all like, like this, is actually... The f- what we're doing is something very light very uh, it's careful, it's delicate but it's not heavy it's not it's not that hard it's a turning towards and sometimes it's a turn turning towards discouragement or an accompanying or some something like this and it can be sometimes the hardest parts are the turning towards not much just a belly rising and falling just regular old sounds or a temperature that is neither hot or cold you know, but being becoming attuned to that in that practi- practice naturally What what seems to what the what the teaching seems to say is that naturally in that there's a spontaneous access to friendliness to benevolence to and again these are words we're looking for experiences you you know this from inside something extremely soft it's almost transparent the absence of reactivity the absence of demand, expectations the absence, all this falling away and here we are meeting the world now in these circumstances of silence and Maybe a privileged access to the psyche, the troubles in it, and the beauty of it. But later it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be turning to a co worker, to a parent, to a child, to, uh, you know, be having the same kind of presence, attention, careful attention, simple, almost ordinary. So what I'm what I'm wanting to say here is, let's be careful um, to find the right way to do this, the natural way to do this, to you know, uh, so something natural about it, and also very precious. It's. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how, how else to say this. We're talking about something uh, something of high quality, but not may, might not be exactly outstanding right away. You know, it's, it's extremely simple. And we might miss it sometimes because it's so simple. You know, we might think, you know, be hindered by the wish for something else to happen, be somewhere else, feel something else, be somebody else, you know, this is gross. We can recognize this when it's there. Like I'm sitting and I only want comfort. I don't want this discomfort. Can we actually plug in what's here? The entry door is what's here. The discomfort in the legs. Plenty of reality. This is the opportunity. This is the door. Not the body that would feel better. Or if your heart is achy. Not the heart that would be light and free and spacious. This one that is a little tight or stuck or... That is the one we want to care about. I wanted to look with you a little bit at the discourse on loving kindness itself. Some of you might uh, might know it. I thought I could, uh, with my voice, I I never know how it's going to turn out, my voice. Sometimes it's okay, I think. Sometimes it's really horrible. But um, a number of years ago, sitting on the long retreat, we learned uh, this discourse in Pali, and with a chant that was really old, an old, um, an old um, Sri Lankan version of this discourse. Actually, uh, Damaruan, the young, the man who taught, taught it to us uh, uh, singly from Sri Lanka. You, and you can hear this on the internet if you're interested. Dhammaruan. Yeah, apparently spontaneously was singing this when he was like four years old, never heard it before. Kind of an, almost like an old memory. Was he alive thousands of years ago when they were singing this or was he tapping into something? We have no idea, but uh, you can hear on the internet recordings of this small little voice singing all these discourses of the Buddha. Nobody taught, apparently taught him or anything. It was just spontaneously and uh, they match, you know. So pretty amazing. So anyway, that's kind of the context. Like, oh, do you want to learn this old song? I remember it when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. So these are the words of the Buddha on loving kindness in Pali first, and we'll look at them in English.
1: Karaniyamata kusalena. Yantam santam padam abhisamecha Saku ujucha sujucha suachucha sa Santu sakocha subarocha apaki chocha sa Santindriyocha Santindriocha nipakocha Appa gampo kule su ananugido. Nacha kudam samachare kinchi. yena na vinyu pare Sukino wa ke mino hontu. bawantu. Sukitata.
0: I did maybe a third of it. And uh, apparently the first time this um, this discourse or these wise words were uh, said by the Buddha, it was, and you might know the story, it was during the rains retreat, the, uh, during the monsoon, the monastics and nuns and uh, monks tried to stay at the same place for the whole time of the monsoon for three months maybe stay in the one place not to uh, destroy the crops as they, wa- they would be walking about so they stay put so there was a group of monks and nuns who had been in the forest that the Buddha had said oh you guys should go there it's going to be a good place for you you can practice quietly in the forest and when you need food there's going to be a village uh, close by you can go by and do your uh, uh, mendicant you know uh, uh, go and get the food there people will feed you The monks and nuns went there and apparently they were getting really scared of being in that forest noises they didn't feel welcome in that forest they felt not good there like the spirits of the trees or something were disrupted and uh, so they went back to the buddha and they said we can't could we go somewhere else and he said no go back there learn this that i'm going to teach you this song sing this think this Uh, words these words of loving kindness and it'll make the place more uh, welcoming to you. Apparently they did just that. They went back and suddenly felt like it was a place where they could practice. From a certain culture's viewpoint, we could say, oh, they appeased the spirits of the trees, you know, were disrupted by their presence and didn't know how to behave and felt, you know, from another perspective or another culture you could say oh i imagine myself going in the woods to practice for uh, three months you know and feeling a little bit like i don't know you know there's all these crackings at, at night all these noises you know feeling like uh, unsafe and learning Buddha saying oh you'll be protected by this practice of living kindness they would, would i protect my own psyche by bringing in kindness, you know, that could be a question. I personally, and you might recognize this too, that when the mind is <coughs> friendly, uh, kind, I was saying this this morning, it has an impact on the perceptions we have. The, fl- the world seems a little bit less hostile, you know, because of the quality of the mind heart. You take the Dalai Lama reporting that everywhere he goes. When you meet people, he always has the feeling that he's meeting old friends. I think it speaks a lot to the quality of his mind, you know. That there's a deep recognition, that's what uh, uh, metta is based on a deep recognition of a wish to be well that we all share in common, and a deep, deep recognition of our fragile nature, contingent nature, that we all share an uncertain world for us. We don't know what's coming. This is a really strange human predicament to be in. We land in this body, learn to be in this life, and we'll never know exactly what's coming, inside or outside. It's unsure what's going to be the next thought, or the next word said, or the next event happening and recognizing the universality of this. Oh, we're all in this together. We all face the same uncertain reality. Recognizing this opens the heart. And it makes us feel more like, oh, we're in this together, it's not me against you. We're all stuck in that field of often confusion, often being separated from what we want. Either a little bit or a lot, you know. And so and we get access, privileged access to it on the cushion. Because we sit here, we would like to be quiet, but we're not. You know. The mind is obsessed by something, is agitated, we would like to be comfortable, we're a little separated from that. It's a little aching there, you know. We would like to be quiet, but there's someone in my vicinity who breathes. <laughs> <laughs> they make this capital sin of breathing, <laughs> and it
1: annoys me, <laughs>
0: you know, and so discovering that we're all in this together naturally opens the heart, and so the actual words of the Buddha here uh, you might already know them really well, some of you guys, but Apparently, what was said was um, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. We can see it's a practice. (laughs) Not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. And, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, Omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen, the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish, cherish all living beings, radiating you might, you might recognize something here, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the sky and downwards to the depths outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking... these seems like instructions. eh? Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of wisdom, being freed from all sense desire, is not born again into this world. Not born again into this world of confusion, of wanting other things, of rejecting what is there, of, of not knowing how to connect with reality stuck in our ideas. You know. So... So today we were doing at some point the radiating, uh, creating a space in front, in the back, above and below. So that's one way one could uh, develop this uh, metta, this friendliness. You might know or not that this friendliness is um, what we call one of the Brahma Vihara. Did you know that?
1: Mm-hmm. A Brahma
0: Vihara is a uh, The translation would be, it was in there written, Divine Abode. At the time of the Buddha, uh, people wanted to merge with Brahma, be with Brahma, after death go and join Brahma, something like this. And the Buddha was, uh, was kind of twisting a lot of the beliefs and practices of the time. And he was saying, let me talk to you about the, the abode of, abodes of Brahma, paradise. Do you want me to talk to you about paradise? Paradise is four things. It's kindness. This is paradise. It's not a place to go. It's a state to be in, an attitude of the heart-mind. Kindness, compassion. Compassion being the kindness when it meets difficulties, when it meets stress, suffering inside oneself or another kind of the, the heart that can meet the difficult and accompanying it accompany it this is what we're doing here you feel uncomfortable can you allow this to be there can you connect with this experience you dejected can you not be in the trance of dejection but learn to accompany discouragement dejection this is a compassionate way to be so the divine abodes the four divine abodes friendliness compassion uh, capacity to rejoice for what's beautiful so here being touched by the snow falling discovering some quietness in the mind and being very careful with it like learning to feel it Oh, feel this quietness here there's a little quiet maybe even sweetness in the heart mind there's contentment it's just okay right now plenty just this being here in silence so being able to appreciate this and the fourth uh, uh, the fourth uh, Brahma Vihara is equanimity the stability of the heart that can meet the difficult without falling in despair that can meet the pleasant without grasping clinging to it and so all these are developed as we sit here as we walk here, as we pay attention to the yoga, the eating, and the laying down, resting in the room, if you're not asleep, you know, the stabilizing of the heart, the capacity to be intimate with what is actually happening. Yeah. When, uh, if I go back a little bit to, uh, uh, Mary Oliver's poem here. My work is loving the world. Here the sunflowers, there the hummingbird. We can sense the mindfulness. Not mindfulness as a, like you have to be mindful, it's a, a quality connection with uh, the flower, the bird. It's something, something, there's, there's a level of attention there. There's also some, even if it's momentary, there's, a, there's something that happens that I'd like to describe a little bit because you might recognize this uh, and maybe it'll inspire you to, to pay attention again when you're like, oh God, you know. Like, no, let me pay attention just a little bit more. Not more in the sense of forcing, but let me stay here as I hold my water bottle, as I, whatever I do. You know. So what I hear from her poems, when she's with the hummingbird, with the sunflower, with the snow falling, with the cold, with the warmth, as I come in the door you know, from being outside, just mm-hmm. this, there's an experience of intimacy, proximity. Can I say that closeness to what's happening? It's really felt. It's not filtered through my ideas. Oh, it's cold. And I, you know, it's not. It's an. It's a silent experience of cold. It's a silent experience of warmth. It's a silent experience of piercing in the knee. In a way, I don't. It's not so important if it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. It's a, a quality, direct, simple encounter with what's happening. In this occasion, there's a falling away of uh, what we call the hindr- hindrances. When there's a quality connection to what happens, there can be a falling away of the wanting for something else. She's not like, oh, this flower; it should, you know, be bigger. I like them a little bit more burnt orange than this one. You know, it, she's not in that mind state when she connects with this she's not like oh i want the hummingbird i want to keep it why can't you know she's just like there knowing there's an ephemeral moment happening a connection and drops away the need for something else the desire for something else drops away the resistance to what's there drops away there's not um, there's just the right amount of energy in the Mm -hmm. meeting like she's not overexcited like oh my god oh my god I gotta write a poem about this you know like she really (laughs) has to be there (laughs) so she's not overshooting you know like we can be like this sometimes like oh my god I love this I want to move in here like you know like no there's like you need you know it's brought to this right amount of energy it's also not so little energy that she can't actually connect you know like oh my god I gotta sit again you know like there's a so so all these difficult mind states actually drop away there's no doubt it's not about like who am I am I able to really be there for hummingbird it's not she's not in the me you know the me drops it's just an encounter very simple and this is this is the field we're exploring here and so you might recognize actually what was there at different times today is like oh, I can't do this anymore or you know or like so high that I can't actually feel just the simple rising and falling of the abdomen I have to feel it, I want to feel it. I really want to get this, you know <laughs> whoa. So so this is like uh, this, this space this particular where there's a falling away of the, these difficult mind states. You know? And how do we gain access to this by paying attention again again. Being friendly, again, non-coercive. Is that the way to say it? Non-expecting. Not just... What is the simplest, friendliest way to meet this moment? So again, I seem to be uh, emphasizing the mindfulness aspect of being there. In a caring way, in a friendly way, in a accompanying way, uh, in the all these words, it could also be that you're holding in mind or heart yourself as a child, holding yourself as a as you now as a felt sense of the body. Could be that you're holding someone dear, inspiring in mind. When I, uh, one time I was going on a one-month retreat and I decided, it was a Vipassana retreat, a mindfulness retreat, but I decided, as people do sometimes, to do a a meta retreat. And I asked my teacher, can I do this? And they said, yeah. So the instructions I was given, just to give you like uh, another version of what could happen here, uh, the way I was instructed was like, from the moment you wake up, From the moment, as soon as you can remember, actually, you know, start bring somebody to mind. Choose one person, and keep them in mind, visually or in mind. Not even if it's not visual, but you know you're thinking about them, and send them a wish of well-being or two, same wishes. And as you go through the day, get dressed, go sit, go to breakfast. In the free time, Mm. never abandon them. This is a practice, continuity. And so I started doing this. It took me a few days to build this, but then it would be like just waking up, you know, ding ding the bell, waking up, and then it could take a few seconds to remember. Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, it would bring somebody to mind. This person, always the same person, I had, and just may you be happy, may you be safe, may you have ease of mind may you be happy, may you be so safe, may you, be ease of, may you have ease of mind. And this was my metta practice. It was the classic version from Buddha a thousand years ago or a thousand five hundred years ago. I can't remember now. But and this was my practice. So if you wanted to play with this, you could do just this. Extremely simple. One person two three wishes keep them rolling and you could see what what would happen with this same thing as it would happen if you didn't do it with the sentences in the image you would get connected you would enjoy it you would get discouraged you would despise the practice <laughs> get bored start over again you know there would be a You know, the whole range of the human experience would probably come as it does. You know, the whole different mind states, the wondering why you're doing this, the wanting to change practice, then the committing again. You know, are there any questions about what is uh, the ideas presented here? Yes. I find that when I keep repeating the same meta message, it starts to
1: lose meaning. It becomes like a repetitive thing
0: where I'm not really thinking about it. I just start repeating it over and over. Yeah, so there might be periods like this, but so the instructions is that you would, it's a little bit like juggling the way it's uh, described. You have three balls, basically. One ball is the image of the person yourself or somebody else. When you do that classic version, the other ball is uh, the phrases. The third ball is actually the meaning, and so it's uh, they are all important. So you sometimes you need to slow the pace down to actually know what you're saying, you know. But the in, there's an intentionality. There's an, it's not empty words, you know. It's like you can't go to sleep at night saying like, oh yeah, the, the sentence all day long, you know if there wasn't the meaning in it and uh, for me over time what actually happened was the phrases reduced they went from may you be happy may you be safe to happy happy thinking of the person safe safe healthy, healthy happy happy Cause it seemed like the phrase was burdensome at some point whoops the phrase dropped it was just a hanging out with the person so you can there's space for creativity around this practice, but the intention is pretty clear: is to befriend something—the breath, the person in, that we're imagining, something like this. It's actually not so important what we're focusing on, you know, accepting, welcoming the sensations, loving the sounds of the snow on the feet, or loving somebody. What's important is the that in the mind, in the neural plasticity, mm-hmm. kindness is being developed. The object in itself is not that ultimately that important. It's the field of kindness. Yeah. And again, be careful of the image you have. If you think like, "Oh, you should be friendly." Friendliness sometimes it's very, it's very simple, ordinary. It's non-hatred. You know, it's, it's. Uh, can show up as availability, willingness to be there. You know, it, it. in my view, it takes many forms. It can be the one that makes you cry, love, the world, you know, <laughs> but it can be so many other forms, too. It can take the form of joy, of compassion, staying present, staying calm with something that is not easy. The idea here is that our benevolence, our goodwill is not kind of haphazard, you know it's not shaky or less shaky we want to develop uh, an access to this mind state that will be easier access to it kind of readily available you know, uh, it will have the idea over time is that it has a duration depth depth uh, kind of stability, you could say, uh, that it can present itself, not just when we're uh, with the loved ones, when they're behaving like we want, you know, (laughs) but also when they're not behaving like we want and when we're not with the loved ones, but with the challenging ones, you know, and uh, so it's, uh, it's a friendship that is unconventional. It's not your Facebook friendship, for sure a Different kind of friendship, and it's also not so much as I as the point of reference, like my people. It's a friendship that is uh, that is universal, you know? so clearly it's a practice. You know? The way I'm suggesting a lot to do it here is by developing friendship towards events, phenomena. It's not so much people, it's can you be there with the breath? Can you be there? how do you treat? inanimate objects, because probably the skill will transfer the way you treat any event that is happening you're training your mind to care you know so the skill my sense is the skill will transfer to the next thing the next person because there'll be a remembering there'll be an access to this So it's for others, but it's mainly for this mind, also, this heart, to be uh, in a good space, you could say. That even if the conditions are not supportive, you know. So again, clearly it's a practice over years, you know, because this is not going to happen like this, you know. Is there something in there that seems relevant? Worthy of our efforts. Yeah. You can think of uh, maybe we could finish with a little reflection here. Think of people you know who uh, have this kindness. This fr- they they might have it very naturally. Many people have this naturally, or uh, in the right circumstances. You know. This is not Buddhist at all, you know. It's something that belongs to nature. It's uh, now we're presenting it in a little bit of a Buddhist frame, but it's it's nature, the nature of human mind to be able to care. But if you just think of somebody who's exp- shown this to you, expressed, uh, <coughs> who live this sometimes, how do you feel when you're in the presence of somebody who has that? Shows as a interest, as patience, as seeing you, how does it feel for you when you're in the presence of someone who does that, expresses that? To me it feels safe. When I'm with somebody who has kindness, it feels they create a little bit more of a safe space. think of uh, your own psyche your own inner life you've been in it a lot today think how it feels in your inner life in the absence of something like friendliness, goodwill benevolence how does it feel when there's not that no access to that To me, it feels like the door is kind of open for difficult mind states to come, for self-judgment, self-loathing, uh, uh, deprecation, if that's the word. You know. Think of how it is in your own mind stream or <clears throat> consciousness when it's present, when it's there. You might not think in terms of words, but maybe even in terms of felt sense, how it feels to be in the mind, in the heart, that is caring and friendly. Think of a relationship you have with somebody, some particular relationship you have with a partner, or a child, or parent, or... And think of this relationship without that quality or these qualities. Remove them from your imagery or images. And then bring them in, same relationship with that quality or these, some of these qualities of benevolence. Caring, wishing well. Now, if you want, think of life in community. Think of life in your urban area. And you think of driving things. Think of being in the transportation—subway, buses. Think of being in work or in the shopping mall. I don't know where. Places where you're encountering people, where there's people. And remove any kindness from there. And then bring this in. Bring these qualities in. These places, these things you do, where there's others involved, present. teachings uh, they seem to say that we want to hold these could we call them principles of kindness of caring in three ways we want to reflect on this reflect like we were doing now like oh it is helpful it is a fluid that helps thinking about this because what we think about becomes the tendencies of our mind so it's we're invited to reflect on this, to use the thinking mind to think in these ways. What if I brought kindness here in this situation? What would it be like? So think about it, meditate on it. It means what we're doing here: paying attention with that attitude of caring. So inviting it, tended toward, tending towards it, celebrating it, cultivating it—you know—in real time, not in so much in thinking, but in in experiencing it how I'm attentive to the breath how I'm attentive to the boredom with kindness so reflect meditate on and have these as a guiding principles for your actions that's what's suggested base your base your words your speech your actions on these you know what would kindness say what would kindness do here you know and so, in these three ways, we're covering pretty much everything. Uh, and there's a training happening. And so here, this weekend, we've really focus a lot on, the, we, there's reflection, but we focus a lot on the meditation aspect, which is very particular. It's not a thinking about, it's a feeling into I can finish with the last part I have of poems today that came to mind that could be uh, useful a lot of them are the some of the classic poems you might have heard I don't know if you've heard
1: um
0: the Saint, St. Saint Francis of the Sow from Galway Canal. You might have heard some part of it, but not, maybe not all of it. Um, the sow, for those of I don't know, there's a few Franco phones here. A sow is a female uh, pig, right? A sow. Okay. So that might help you in hearing what's being said. So, it says... The bud, the bud, stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within, of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put the hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely. Until it flowers again from within, of self-blessing. This is what we're doing here. You know, retelling ourselves that we're lovely, that this is lovely, that is this is worthy of love, of the uh, care what's happening here now. And as St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow. And told her in words and in touch blessing of the earth on the sow and the sow began remembering all down her thick length, from the earthen snout all the way through the father and slopes to the spiritual curl of the tail, from the heart spininess spiked out from the spine, down through the great broken heart, to the sheer blue milky dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the 14 tits into the 14 mouths sucking and blowing beneath them the long and perfect loveliness of the sow. these poems, it comes to mind another, just a couple of words from uh, Mary Oliver again when she says Although I am not needed here I feel myself turning into something of inexplicable value Although I am not needed here I feel myself turning into something of inexplicable value This is the quality of attention we bring that will make this transformation happen. The loveliness of the sow, the loveliness of the flower blooming from within. Thank you so much for your attention. Let's just be silent for a second or two. May this practice that we do together make us uh, agents of uh, goodness in the world, a world that really needs it. So may we find freedom and beauty in this moment. May we be able to offer freedom and beauty
1: to others.